0: Hey, it is great to see you at Calvary. I trust that you have come saying, God, I want you to do something really cool in my life today. We're going to continue our series, Augmented Reality. I want to talk to you about a message that I've entitled Unsocial Media. Unsocial Media. We live in a world where we have never been more connected and yet never felt more detached. In fact, I want to do this. I want to I want to. I want to. I want to show you my uh, Facebook feed, okay? And um, and here's here's what I want you, here's what, you, what I want you to see. I want you to see this. I'm gonna have him put it up on the screen. Oh, there it is. There's my Facebook feed, okay? And uh, if I go to um, people, it says we can't find anybody. So how about if I go? How about if I do this? If I go here, and I go to here, and I say I want to look at my profile, and let's look at my. Oh, friends. Ed's friends. These are these are some of my friends. Okay, um, I currently have on Facebook. I currently have four thousand five hundred fifty-seven friends. Yeah, but let me let me let me say this. Like I know, I know that person. Um, yeah, I, and uh, like I, I know a decent number of these people, I, there are a number of these people I don't know. Um, there, there are some of these folks, like I can get the screens where I, I don't know like any of these people, you know. Um, but they're my friends, right? Um, and, and here's what I find, I have this on my Facebook feed, I have, there are some people that, man, that I've done life with, that, that I've, I've taken vacations with, that that I've been there through some of the most challenging times of their life. There are also, there, there are people who I sort of know, right? They're, they're ministry friends. I've seen them in ministry events and things of that nature. Then there are people on my Facebook feed that I have to know, right? Yeah. People that I have to know, like that person that's sitting beside you in church, they they send you a Facebook friend request, and you see them every Sunday. You don't really know where they live, you don't know what they do, but their face pops up on your Facebook feed, and you go, hmm, yeah, you know what, I have to see that person when I walk into church on Sunday, so I'm going to accept them as my friend, Um, but then I don't know if you know this, but you have this ability on Facebook to, you can have somebody be your friend, but then you can unfollow them. Right? So you're my friend, but I don't want to be bothered by you. Here's what I'm convinced. I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that Facebook is a 21st century church. Because I can be connected, but not so much. Right? Uh, And if you do something that that is worthy of some sort of accomplishment, I can like it. But if I don't like it, there's not a button for that. I just have to tell others privately that I don't like it. But we have become this—we have become this culture that is very disconnected, that is very detached, and we call this stuff social media. Uh, but it's not—it really isn't all that sociable. In fact, let, let me let me show you this. I found this—I found this fascinating. Um, this is Look at this. Minecraft billionaire Marcus Person hates being a billionaire. And that's fascinating to me. His he sold his business to Microsoft for a little over $2 billion. His personal take on it was $1.3 billion. What can you do with $1.3 billion? Well, if you want, you can buy a $70 million mansion from Jay-Z and Beyonce, and then put in this mansion entire walls made out of candy. That's what he did. All right, $1.3 billion, trust me, you can buy as many friends as you want to buy, okay? But, but notice this. this, this is the guy, by the way, okay? So, uh, and, and here, l- 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 look at what he said, okay? He said this. He said um, that life has become lonely and kind of empty since he closed the deal to sell his company. And a bit of a warning to all those striving to become billionaires like him, he says he's never felt more isolated than hanging out in a, in a, in a with friends and partying with famous people. Right? Isn't that an interesting thing? He, listen, his, his house, his house has a movie theater, 15 bathrooms, each bathroom equipped with a toilet that costs $5,600. I know what you're saying. I'd hang out with that guy. And yet, isn't it interesting? He discovered that having everything, life still doesn't work. Because what you need is this, is you need… Well, you need friends. Why do you need friends? Well, let's do this. Let me pull up one more thing on my screen. And uh, this is uh, this is my friend Winnie the Pooh. See if they can get some if they can get volume on this. Christopher Robin, I think the bees S-U-S-P-E-C-T something. Perhaps they think you're after their honey. Well, it may be that. You never can tell with bees. Oh, I'm just a little black rain cloud hovering under the honey tree. Ooh. I think it would help with this deception if you would just kind of open your umbrella and say tut tut it looks like rain tut tut it looks like rain tut tut it looks like rain i don't know if you've ever needed a friend to help you out if nothing else just to carry an umbrella and say tut tut it looks like rain life is not meant to be lived alone It's not meant to be lived alone. The the reality of that, we find this at the very beginning of Scripture. God puts man in a perfect setting. He puts man in the Garden of Eden. Everything is perfect. This is before even the origination of sin. And man in a perfect setting... God says this, it is not good that man be alone. You were made for relationship. You were made for relationship. And, and, and we, we know this and we see this very clearly that God's Word says uh, that we are designed to live life relationally. And that that all of the things of this world, even even though we think that they might bring some sort of satisfaction to us, we know that that's not the case. In fact, what what Marcus Person discovered, the Minecraft guy, that 1.3 billion dollars, and yet he says this, that he's lonelier than he's ever been in life, Marcus Person would have realized that that is the probable reality had he just taken a little bit of time and read this passage in the Bible called Ecclesiastes? Ecclesiastes is this book, and it was written by King Solomon, who at the time was the wealthiest man on the planet. Not only was he the wealthiest man on the planet at that time, if you took Solomon's wealth, he would be the wealthiest person on the planet of all time. And not only was he the wealthiest man on the planet, but he was supremely powerful, right? He was, he was the king. And yet he writes this, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. And and he talks about this understanding of of what God wants us to do and how God wants us to live. And the fact that life alone doesn't work. He talks about in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, he talks about these three different types of people. He talks about the evil person, the foolish person, And the wise person. In fact, do this. Uh, Turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes. You'll find it in the Old Testament, in the middle of your Bible, and uh, right there, it it hovers right there, right beside the the, right, right beside the book of Psalms and book of Proverbs. And you'll see this in in Ecclesiastes chapter four. He makes this comment. He says this, starting in verse four. And I saw all the toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy another. This too is meaningless. A chasing after the wind. He, he talks about the evil person, right? The evil person who their endeavor is through selfish desires. Their 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 desire is to be on top. Their idea is to be the champion. Then you have the fools. The fools who fold their hands and ruin themselves. Right? So the foolish person is the one that does nothing. The evil person is the person that engages and they do it for their own selfish, selfish desires. The foolish person is the person who chooses not to engage. And then he says this, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. The wise person is that person who lives their life in accordance with God's plan, in accordance with God's timing, in accordance with God's structure. And we know this, that that Paul gives us this command. He says, do not live your life as unwise, but as wise. We're called to live this wise life. Well, what does that look like? And and why is this concept of friendship important? It's profoundly important. Here's, Here's a statistic that is that is heart-wrenching to me. If our church is typical of the evangelical churches in America, 70% of you walked in here today, and if given the opportunity to participate in an, uh, in an, in an, in an anonymous survey, you would say this, that you live a lonely life that you don't have a close friend that is near to you. I, uh, you know what, I can appreciate that. In fact, let me say this, in true confession, there are, there are many times that even as a pastor that I can relate to that, that we, that we live in a world where we seem to be never more connected than we are today and yet never more disconnected. Our our relationships don't have a depth to them. And and this is in stark contrast to what the Word of God challenges us, right? If if you look just a a couple of verses down in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, it tells us this, starting in verse 9, it says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. And and by the way, in, in the next verse is if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. And if two lie down together, they can stay warm. And if an adversary comes, the one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. See, the, the wisest man that ever lives gives us there in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 the value of having friendship and not this surfacy Facebook friendship. I, I, never, I never imagined 20 years ago that there would be some electronic thing that would say that I have 4,557 friends, which isn't true. I don't have 4,557 friends. But Facebook doesn't give me the opportunity to go, hey, these are my friends, these are my colleagues, these are people that I should know, these are people that I want to know me, and these are people that I, that I say that I know, just so they will leave me alone. Right? So they lump all of that into friends, 4,557 557 friends we live in this incredibly connected world but we're we're really connected to this we're not connected to one another and we spend this we spend this time, we, 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 we spend our lives looking down. Okay, let me go from preaching to meddling. <laughs> it, it, it is much tougher to preach today than it was 10 years ago. You know why? Because at any given time, 30% of you are going like this. I don't know if you're looking at the Bible app on your phone, taking notes, or bored and playing Minecraft. Minecraft. But we don't, we don't connect together anymore. We don't look one another eye, in the, uh, eye to eye. It's amazing to me. I can be in the same room with people and they will text me. Right? Do you do that at your house? Do you text somebody tell them it's time for dinner? Hey, everybody, it's time for dinner. Do you remember this? Hey, everybody, it's time for dinner. Do you have to have rules in your house regarding electronic devices at the table? What's happened? It, I would say we need to unplug, but friends, it, it's not even plugged in anything. <laughs> and yet, we know this. By the way, I could share with you all kinds of research. I could share with you stuff that that, that, the, that the U.S. Department of Health, all the studies that they have done that, that shows that you live a more fulfilled life, you live a happier life, you live a healthier life, you live a longer life if you're genuinely connected, but you don't need the statistics. You don't need the information. You don't need the research. Why? Because you know this. We know it. It's empirically proven. It's, it's instinctive within us. And if we push past the pain and if we set aside the busyness, not only do we know this in our heart, but we we long for it. We long to do life at a deep level at a deep level in our vertical relationship, the relationship between us and God, and at a deep level in our horizontal relationships, the relationships that we have with one another. Marcus Person would be one of those guys that in the natural, man, he's winning. 1.3 billion dollars. Can you imagine, okay, you create a video game that I don't even get Minecraft, the guy didn't cure cancer, right? By the way, Marcus Person, if you're watching this or if this video gets to you somehow, listen, I'll be your friend. <laughs> I'm just saying, you got a house that has walls of candy. I'm in. But, but it, it, you know, he didn't, right? He, he, did, he didn't solve poverty. He didn't solve world hunger. He didn't come up with a cure for cancer. The guy created a video game. billion, here you go, $1.3 billion. Now, what would you do if you got $1.3 billion? How many of you have got $1.3 billion, you'd retire? Yeah, I don't know what's wrong with you people. (laughs) $1.3 billion. Uh, Anyway, um, I I would, uh, but here's the thing, if I retired, I'd have to do this because I love doing this. I I don't do this because I get paid to do it, just because I like to do it. In fact, I tell people, uh, I don't get paid for what I do on Sundays, This I would do for free. What I get paid for is the stuff that I have to deal with throughout the week, and that I don't get paid enough for. (laughs) Yeah, that's true, that's worthy of applause. (laughs) And yet this guy, $70 million mansion, flies all over the world to all these parties, and he goes, something's really missing. He and Solomon they're, Solomon, they're right there together. And we look, at then, at, at, at what Solomon's response is that in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, right? And he tells us this. He says that in verse 9, he says that, that two are better than one because they have a better return for their labor. See, I'm, I'm more productive. I can, I can accomplish so much more when I'm doing that with somebody by my side. I can't admit, I can't begin to imagine trying to do life and trying to do it alone. I certainly would not want to try to do ministry and do it it alone. I'm I'm very blessed with the team that God has given us here at Calvary. I love doing ministry with these people. I I love the gifts, the talents, and abilities that they bring. I I really do. I, I, I love the fact that they challenge me and encourage me. I love having people around me that will tell me when I'm doing something stupid or weird. Because without that in my life, without that person that says, hey, that's kind of stupid, or hey, you're being kind of weird, I I think I could get really far off track really fast. So, and I know, I know this. I know that I'm the only person here in the room that needs somebody to keep them uh, on balance. But I'm telling you, I need it. By the way, looking at some of you, you do too. And some of you need to make friends quick. <laughs> right? Here's what the Bible tells us. It tells us that we accomplish more when we do life together. There's a great acronym for team. Together, each accomplishes more. And yet, you know what's heartbreaking to me? What's heartbreaking to me is that most of you here are not connected in a smaller group at church. And church really doesn't work well for an hour and 15 minutes an hour and a half on Sunday mornings. It really doesn't. What it becomes this when when we do when we do church for an hour and a half on Sunday mornings, it becomes an event. And that's not, that's not what God designed it to be. That's the reason why when you, look at the, when you look at the early church, when you look at the New Testament church, here's what they did. They met together in the temple courts, big group. Then they also met together house to house, smaller group. And, 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 and can I offer you this, that Jody and I have long been a part of a small group. We are part of a small group uh, in our previous church. We're part of a small group here and uh, and I, I I miss it. There there are a couple of there are a couple of, of of groups in my life right now that I miss when I'm not able to to, to be there, and not able to be a part. I love getting together. There's a group of men that I get together with every Tuesday morning at seven o'clock here at the church in the Connections Lounge. And men, can I tell you something? I don't. My hope is that you get something out of our time together on Tuesday mornings. But can I tell you, it's it's invaluable to me. It enriches me. It encourages me. It empowers me. And then we have every other week our small group gets together, the small group that, that, that Jody and I are a part of, and I, it, it, the last few times that our small group has gotten together, it's been times when I've, when I've been out of town, and I miss it. I miss hanging out with these people. I, I miss doing life with these people. Mark Lawler is sitting right up here at front. Mark, Mark's, in, Mark's in my small group, and Mark, I miss being able to hang out with you. I, I miss sharing with you my victories. I, I miss uh, having you pray over me. And uh, he's just a good dude to hang out with. And if nothing else, these people will really make you laugh. But that's the way that that's the way that that God designed us. It's the way that He wired us. He wired us to do life together. He He wired us to be in in in, in relationship with one another, and and not this. Not this cordial friendship, right? And and not this casual friendship even. And and it's okay to have cordial friends, right? And and it's even okay to have casual friends. We, We all have them, right? Cordial friends. Cordial friends are those friends that you might know their name, you might not know their name, but you recognize them. And so it's, hey, champ, sport, hey, bud. Hey, bro. Right? That's always a good one, isn't it? Hey, bro. Those are our cordial friends. Casual friends. Bill, good to see you. If we're not careful, we can have convenient friends as well. Right? Convenient friends. Hey, I, um, I, I've got I've to move a refrigerator. Friend, I've been looking for you. I believe that God divinely sent you my way today so we can move this refrigerator. Close friends make a difference, don't they? They do. The uh, I was thinking about this this week. So, I mentioned I have 4,557 friends. This Saturday is my birthday. I will get I will get in the mail, and I'm not saying this because I, just, just, just an observation. I, in the mail, I will get three birthday cards, okay? One from my mom. You know what, it might not, it might not come in the mail because my mom's coming to visit this week, so she might bring it in person. But, uh, but uh, it's quite possible. I'll get, a, I'll get a birthday card from my mom with $35 in it. I'll get a birthday card from my mother-in-law with $10 in it. You can figure that out. Okay? But it's been that way for forever. I get $35 from my mom, $10 from my mother-in-law. I'm just saying, uh, mother-in-law, you got to step up. <laughs> right? And then I typically, I'll get one other random birthday card. And then I'll get about, about 900 people that will send me, they'll put happy birthday on my, on my Facebook feed. Okay? And uh, happy, birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday, right? Now here's, here's what I know, and I don't say this to be cynical. Probably of those 900, easily 900, it might be more than that. Um, um, I, I know this. That Here's what I, I will tell you this. Whenever somebody, somebody puts happy birthday on my Facebook feed, uh, I always respond to them personally because I believe that it deserves a personal response. Um, but there's there's one person that sends me a birthday greeting every year, and it's a little thing that it says, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, and then it says, can you tell I'm singing? Have a great birthday, okay? It's the exact same thing he sends to everyone. I know because other friends, we've compared notes, right? <laughs> so, it's an obligatory, okay, I can see on my social media feed, these are the people that have birthdays today, boom, 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 done, I miss, and my guess is that you do too, that opening of the envelope and reading a card that somebody took the time to pick out, it oftentimes chose even below the poem, sometimes sweet, sometimes funny, right? Right? I'll never forget. I one friend. I got him a birthday card, and it was a card that said, "You're like a sister to me." Uh, and he really was, because he was anyway. Uh, I'm not going to say more than that because I could get into trouble and get a lot of really, really negative letters and probably emails or posts on Facebook. But uh, but he really was like a he really was like a sister to me, and uh, and so and I just thought he would really appreciate the card. So he's just very in touch with his feminine side. Anyway. Um, The other cool thing about cards is there's the ability for somebody to put something in it, right? Nobody ever sends me anything on Facebook. Uh, just, just an observation. The value of connected, it, it increases our productivity. It, it also, it, it brings provision in time of need. That's what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 4. He says, listen, when you fall down, there's somebody there to pick you up. Right? Not only when you fall down is there somebody there to pick you up, but when it's cold, they bring bring warmth. And, And listen, that's not just true in surviving the elements. We all have these times in our life. We all have these seasons that we go through where things are alive and happening and, 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 and warm and full. But we also face those days where it seems like it's dark and it seems like it's cold. I will... I will never forget a dreary, drizzly November day when I was pastoring in Green Bay, Wisconsin, I, I had to I had to preach a funeral that was scheduled for the following day. It was actually the funeral for our our youth pastor's wife, who had unexpectedly died. Two preschool boys at home. I was devastated. I was I was emotionally shot. I was spiritually drained. And a good friend called me and he said, hey, Ed, how are you doing? And I said, I'm not doing good. I was just sitting there staring out the window just watching the, just the sleet fall and just gray, dreary Green Bay. He said, what's up? And I said, you know, I, I know the church tomorrow is going to be full and I have nothing to say to these people. Nothing. I said, I just want, I just want to go. And that friend said, I'll be there in five minutes. And it was 15 minutes, but he said, I'll be there in five minutes. And he comes in, he says, come on. So we went and we spent the afternoon together. Now, I, I know that his schedule was packed. I know his schedule was full. Uh, but you know, what I, needed? I needed in that moment, I needed somebody to bring warmth into my life. I need, I need somebody to bring a, just a, a sense of a sense of hope into what was really a hopeless situation. And it was, in, it was in the middle of our time together, in the middle of that afternoon together, we went and, uh, we went and got something to eat, and then uh, we went and we played video games. He said, you need to get your mind off of this. So we went and we, we played video games. And it was in the middle of playing this video game, there with my friend, that I looked at him and I said, I've got it. He said, what? I said, I know what I'm going to say to these people tomorrow. I know exactly what God wants to say, and I know how God's going to use this moment for his glory. I'll, I'll, never, I'll never forget that time with my friend, and I'll never forget him being there in a time that was very cold for me to bring warmth to a very dreary day. See, that's what we're supposed to do for one another. Right, that, that's that's part of doing life together. We we help one another be more productive. We we bring we bring provision in time of need and and partnership in life's challenges. And we also we also all face battles. Okay, we all face difficulties. It, it comes. All right? Now, and here's what I want you to recognize, that the difficulties that you face in life, the challenges that you face in life, that's not an indicator of your faith or your lack of faith. It's not, a, it's not an indicator of your maturity or your lack of maturity. You see, Scripture says this. It says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust, right? In this world, you will have trouble. That, that's, that's part of reality. When, when Paul says, who shall separate us from the love of God? And he, and he gives that long list, right? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or, or nakedness, uh, fame famine, nakedness, danger or sword? He says that because he knows that it, it, it's a reality of life. We, we go through life and we face difficulties. We face challenges. We face hurdles. And so Solomon, when he writes in Ecclesiastes 4 and, and, and verse number 12, he, he talks about when... The adversary comes. He doesn't talk about an if. He talks about when. And he says this. He says, though one may be overpowered, two will be able to defend themselves. You were designed to live life with close relationships. It is... um, It's really easy to find places unfriendly. The the story is often told of church of two men that came to a church and sat next to one another week after week after week after week, and they said, this is the most unfriendly place that I've ever been. You know what? If somebody doesn't talk to me this Sunday and show some friendship to me and show some warmth to me, I'm never coming back. These two men sat next to one another with that exact same thought. And what would have happened if one of them would have said, hey, you know, I've seen you several times now. My name's Bill. Really? My name is Bob. Bob. Glad to meet you, Bill. What are you interested in? Uh I like bowling. I like, really? I love to bowl. See how simple that is? Here's what the Bible says: it says that if you want friends, that you need to be, wait, you might want to write this down. Ready? This is gonna be profound. If you want friends, be friendly. See how that works? Let me go from preaching to practical, practical for a moment. I've mentioned this before. I want to mention it again. I believe this. I believe that there are dozens of you that are in the room today that a small group is supposed to be meeting at your house. Some of you, you've done it before, okay? And you go, ah, we, we, we did that before. Yeah, good. Then you're well-trained, right? It's time, for you to, it's time for you to do that again. There are others of you that are here and... And, and you're supposed to be leading a small group. Maybe a small group that doesn't meet at your house, maybe a, a, where somebody else is the host and you're the leader. Well, I, I don't consider myself a great Bible theologian, awesome, because uh, the last thing that we need is a bunch of self-proclaimed experts, right? Let me tell you about, for me, the ideal small group for me, the ideal small group for me isn't where I walked in and there's an intense Bible study. Because, can I offer you this? I get that enough in my life. You know what I need for a small group? I need a small group where we go and we hang out with one another and we enjoy one another and we talk about what's working in our life and what's not working in life and we pray for one another, right? And we encourage one another, we build each other up, maybe even sometimes we spur one another onto good deeds and good works. I don't need another discipleship opportunity. Here's what I need. I need connection. I need relationship. And you know what? I have this sinky feeling that so do you. And it's called opening up your life for community, opening opening up your life for relationship. Yeah, I'm just I'm way too busy. Wow the devil lets, the, the devil really convinces, of, uh, con, convinces us of that, doesn't he? I, I have this I have this friend in fact they, they, they come to visit here about once a year uh, but he he texts me or calls me I text or call him at least once a week, usually it's a couple times a week and uh, he in our previous church, he, he's my closest friend, and and he and he and he and he and his wife, were, Jody and I, Jody and I are closest friends. And here's what was interesting to me: is that um, she is in management at State Farm, high high pressure, uh, high responsibility job that requires lots of hours. She was involved with the leadership team for women's ministries. Uh, She was part of our worship team. Busy. He uh, teaches elementary school, was uh, one of the leaders for our men's ministry, and also served as one of the deacons in the church. On top of that, two teenage boys that were very involved in sports. If anyone had an excuse of being busy, the Johnsons had the excuse... We're just too busy. But every other Tuesday night, in Illinois, Jody and I, we hosted a small group at our house. Bob and Tara Riggins were the, were the small group leaders. Jody and I were the hosts. And every other, every other Tuesday, we would get together. We, had, we typically had some sort of small group curriculum that we, were, that we were using, but about 50% of the time, we didn't get to it. and we would just do life together. It's been almost four years since I've lived in that town, almost four years since I've been their pastor, and yet no one encourages me more or sends me just notes telling me that they're praying for me more than that guy. Why? It's not that he's that great of a guy. He really isn't that great of a guy. He's kind of a jerk, actually. No, that's not true. (laughs) That's not true. It's not true. He's really, he really is an outstanding, he's just a a prince of a guy. Um, What happened is this, is we developed a depth of relationship, right, that then was able to transcend the miles, And anything that I need, He's there. And, 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 and that, that, that is true. That is reciprocated as well. I would do anything in the world for the Johnson family, anything. Because, see, that's the, way, that's the way that church is supposed to work. That's the way that life is supposed to work. And based on the number of people that are here and the number of people that count Calvary their church home, we should probably have, quite honestly, we should probably have eight to ten times as many small groups as we currently have. Because we need a small group for you to be connected in. Because if you're here, even if you're just here casually, occasionally, you need to be connected to a small group. Because church doesn't work right. It doesn't work at its greatest potential without being connected at that that relationship level. Beyond... Cordial beyond casual, moving to close. It's the way that God designed us. It is not good that man live alone. Two are better than one. Pity the person who falls down and there's not someone there to help them up. It's time for you to engage. It's time for you to get connected. It's time for you to get invested. It's time for you to get involved. It's time to go beyond Sunday morning church. Winnie the Pooh does not work without Christopher Robin. Every bearer needs his friend. And you need yours. It's the way that God designed you. And on top of that, there are people around you that have a relationship whole. they've got a relationship vacuum in their life, a deficit. That God in his sovereignty has planned for you to be the one who fills that need. And why is this important? I'm going to talk to you for a, for a moment, and this is, I'm, I'm closing with this, about what brings joy in life. And a very extensive study was done on determining what brings joy in life. And there is, there is the, the momentary joy that, that new acquisition brings to us, There is the joy that a sense of accomplishment brings to us, okay? You do something and you accomplish something that's pretty cool, that's very high on the joy meter, right? You you make something that's never been made before. You build something. You you accomplish a feat. Brings a lot of joy. It brings a lot of satisfaction the highest level of joy that a human being can experience. It's what psychologists, what secular psychologists call transcendence. I'll share with you how I demonstrated it to our pastoral staff this week. So we had our, uh, our pastor's retreat this week. And one of the things that we did in our pastor's retreat is uh, we took our pastors and we played golf. Now, of the seven pastors that we have on staff, only Pastor Mike and I had ever swung a golf club before. So needless to say, it was somewhat comical. Um, the best part for those of you that play golf or even watch golf was to see our pastors walking up to the green to putt, carrying their driver. Went, no, put that. I can't tell you how many times I had to say to them, do you have a, do you have a ball? Oh, yeah, I need a I need a. I'll go. I'll go get a ball. Right. But these guys that I don't. I don't know if any of them have a real passion for golf, but they seem to have a good time. When they hit. A, when they hit a good shot, it was like, oh hey, wow, look at that. Okay, that sense of accomplishment. But here's what we were doing. We were playing as a team. And so it was one thing when they hit a good shot. But when it was, hey, your shot's the best shot. We're going to play your shot. And they realized that they were actually, they were contributing. They were helping the team. It's called transcendence. Feeling like I'm making a difference in somebody else's day. I'm making a difference in somebody else's life. And psychologists have proven it is the highest form of fulfillment is feeling like I'm make make, making a difference in somebody else's life. And what God wants to do is God wants to connect you relationally with the people around you to where you can make a difference in their life because friend, not only will it be a help for them, a strength to them, an aid to them, a challenge to them, an encouragement to them, but it brings the highest sense of fulfillment to you. And it's something, that's, it's something that's significantly missing. It's time for you to put down your phone. It's time to stop texting and start talking. It's, it's time to have genuine community and be connected. I love the fact that, that, that through technology that people can watch, and there are people that are watching this service today through Facebook Live, through our website, and also through YouTube streaming. We do it on, on three, different, three different platforms. And, and I'm glad, especially when you guys are traveling, that you can be connected to us. But to those of you that, that this is church for you every Sunday, just, just watching via Facebook, there, there was a, a gal who commented this morning. She said, I'm going to come visit live one day. We're so much better in person. Okay? Don't, 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 don't have Uber Eats bring you some food to where you can participate in the communion service. Come and join it live. God i I come to you this morning and God I, I first I say this i'm never i'm never. I'm never without a need. For you in my life and these relationships that you have set in place to be in my life. I live with the reality of it is not good that man live alone. God, I acknowledge to you and I acknowledge to everyone in this room that I don't do alone well. Oh, I, God, I'm grateful for times of solitude and for those moments where I can spend in, 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 in quiet devotion with you and quiet reflection of your word. But God, I recognize that you have made us, you have wired us for together I also know this, oh God, I know that it's something that Satan, that that he pushes back on. That he works real hard to keep us isolated, to, to keep us disconnected. To convince us that being a part of a church congregation is enough. That we don't need to be invested in the community. to be part of the committed and the core of the church. But God, you have brought us here this morning to encourage us, to challenge us, maybe even to spur us a little bit. That we have to get beyond the busyness, we have to get beyond the, the awkwardness we have to get beyond the, the pettiness. We have to let go the past negative. and let our relationships go from wide to deep. So God, I I pray for three groups of people right now. I pray first for the person that is here. That they came today, they came as a skeptic or a seeker. And God, they've, they've heard all the criticism. They know all the stuff that people say about church. And yet there's something about it that intrigues them. I thank you, God, that you've brought them to Calvary today. And that it's not coincidence they're, they're here, it's by design, and you've brought them here because you want to introduce them to a relationship with you and to a relationship to your family. So God, even now, as they, as they kind of sense you tugging on, the, tugging on the door of their heart, God, give them the courage right now to say, God, I, I'm, I, I, want, I want to begin this relationship journey with you. I recognize the need for you in my life, and I realize that life's incomplete without you. So God, I acknowledge that, and I, 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 want, you, I want you to come into my life. Not only do I want you to come into my life, God, I, 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 wanna, I, wanna, I wanna give this over to you and, and let, you, let you be what navigates me. Let you be in charge. God, I thank you that all across this room that you're giving people the courage to make that decision and that affirmation right now. I pray, number two, God, for the, for the many that walked in here today, and when they hear that word, lonely, it resonates with them. They would say, that's me. I'm, I'm lonely. I, I work around a bunch of people, and yet I'm lonely. I'm, I'm constantly surrounded by the, the buzz of activity and chatter. And in fact, the, the casual observer would think that I have tons of friends, and I do, but they're cordial and casual. And I knew before I walked in here today that I'm missing those close friendships, close relationships. God, I, I pray, I pray for the lonely today. And God, I thank you that this morning that they don't sense judgment on any level. In fact, you've you've brought you brought, you've brought the lonely here today. Because you want to open up a new chapter where the lonely are no longer alone. So God, I pray that you'd bring just encouragement right now. That this is the beginning of a new day, that's the beginning of a new journey, that's the beginning of of new opportunity, that's the beginning of new relationship. And then God, I, I pray number three, for those that you've brought here today to challenge them, to encourage them to remind them that you're you're wanting them to say yes to being a part of hosting and leading Small groups. God, I thank you that you're, that you're affirming to them this morning that it's, it's not just another activity. It's, it's not just a church program. It's, it's part of the lifeblood of the church. And it meets a need in their life It meets a need in those around them and it gives them this opportunity to experience this amazing fulfillment. So God, give them confirmation right now and give them disposition of will and the courage to say yes. God, my prayer is this, is that that in the days, weeks, months, years to come that we'll be able to look back on October fifteenth, two 2017, and say on an individual level that it, it was the beginning of a new day in my life. For each one of us we will be able to say that that, that, that I made a shift from disconnected to connected, that I made a shift in my, in my relationships from wide to deep, that I made a shift from lonely to involved. And God, I pray that, that that can be said over each one of us individually, but God, I pray that it can be said about Calvary as well. That we'll be able to look back on this day and say that it, 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 it was a transition point in the life of a church where we went from being a congregation to being a community. that we went from having activity to enjoying relationship. Let it be, O God. And we thank you for reminding us that two are better than one.